Like, I didn't even know that being an astrologer was a career. You know, people even today, they don't believe in it and that's fine. They want to disprove it and that's fine. But I don't think many people have been successful because I don't think it's a science. I think of it as an art. If you know how to read symbols in such a way, you can interpret the art. That's all that it is. I think free will is a very big component in it. So you can't really say this is absolutely going to happen because there's so many moving parts involved. The new, the new, the new school. This is The New School with your host, Christine Hong. Welcome to a new kind of school, where we talk about career paths you don't normally get to hear about in the classroom. Every episode, I talk to someone with an interesting life path and learn about how they got to where they are today. Hey guys, happy Monday. I'm your host, Christine Hong, and we have such an interesting guest for you today. The truly wonderful, kind, and thoughtful Janelle Belgrave, who lives as a professional astrologer. She's been featured in multiple publications, including New York Magazine and Refinery29, who has dubbed her as one of our favorite astrologers. I know astrology can be a bit of a controversial topic, but I found the interview I did with Janelle one of the most interesting interviews I've ever done, so I truly recommend you listen. In this episode, I found out how Janelle learned the art of astrology, her beliefs on the art, how she built her astrology business, and what she thinks astrology is telling us about the current world situation. I'm just curious, like, how did you start learning about astrology? How did you get into that? I think I got into astrology probably late elementary school going into middle school. So I always liked astrology or horoscopes in the back of the newspaper. Anytime we would go to the library or the bookstore, I would always find myself in the occult section as it is or was or still is called. And I was just very curious about those things for some reason. I just I think I was just born with it more or less. And then the Internet happened. And I got like my first computer with dial-up back in the day. I was like researching astrology and I came upon this website that allowed you to kind of plug in birth data minus the birth time and location, I believe. And I basically did all of these chart readings for my family members and they would give you like a whole like printout. So I remember like printing out reams and reams of paper of these detailed astrological compatibility essentially between like my parents, my siblings, myself. And I was about 12 at the time and I was just like astounded. I was like, how do they know? This is my family. This is exactly who they are. And so I remember once my mom to show her, both my parents are Aquarians. And she was like, whatever kid, like just don't do anything stupid. And I was like, that's not a no. (laughs) From there, that was like my new thing. So this has been like over 20 years of me just following my hobby. That must be such a kind of powerful feeling feel like you can actually really get to know someone and kind of predict who they are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just used it as a tool to understand myself better, to understand my friends and family better. And I just really used it as more of like a tool to understand the world, basically. So that was my first reference point into astrology. And over the years, you know, the the study just got deeper and deeper. I became more aware of the astrology community, you know, different authors, conferences, stuff of that nature. And it just kind of progressed from there. Yeah. What did you find the most useful growing up? Because I also imagine there's a lot of fake material out there. So how did you... Mm-hmm. find the truthful from the fake. Yeah. I think it was probably easier back then to avoid fake information because the internet was still relatively young. I think the people who were putting up the, you know, private websites at that time, you know, astrologers who were older with the internet. I think some of them are still standing. They're probably still like really HTML, like rinky dink kind of heavy, like, you know, they're old, but I think astrologers naturally like to share information. Personally, I think it's just it's enjoyable to read about these things. And then the library or bookstores, these are all public publicized and published books. So, you know, there wasn't really a lot of deceptiveness, I think, back then. I think astrology was kind of back underground after probably a wave in the 60s and 70s. And so it kind of went underground again, probably in the 80s and 90s. And it started to resurface again into the early 2000s and into now. So I think it was just easier to find valid information. And of course, astrology is such a vast topic on its own. Yeah. There's so many different styles, there's so many different schools of thought, there's so many different systems. So it's really hard to say what's false versus what's not, unless people are really just outside of the rules that have been established for the past thousands of years in terms of Western astrology. Yeah, were there horoscopes back then? Was that popular? I think 20th century, I think, is when they became popular. When I was middle school, I mean, the places that you would find horoscopes were in the back of the newspaper, right? Or 
that was basically the only place. Or if you were a big name astrologer and you had a website that you would post your horoscopes on. I lost interest in them fairly soon after discovering books and, you know, different websites because it wasn't giving you that much information. It was very generalized. It wasn't specific to you. So I found a lot more enjoyment out of research versus just horoscope. I hope people know that horoscopes are a fairly limited way of using astrology, right? Because what astrologers who are writing this typically are doing, we're just looking at the rising sign and placing planets around the chart that way to give us an analysis. But that is not specific to hundreds of thousands of Aries or Taurus or Cancers, you know, like it's just supposed to be a draft or overview, a brief idea. And it may not apply to you because you might have a completely different rising sign than your sun sign, for example. Yeah, I remember as a kid when people were talking about it, I was like, there's no way I'm the same as every person born in August. Like I was just like, this makes zero sense. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know there was like those three different sun, moon, what's the third one? Rising sign or ascendant. Right, rising sign until I downloaded CoStar and they were like, you're owning a Leo for two things. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I didn't even know that. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have any doubts about astrology during it? Because I know there's doubters out there. I mean, at the time that I was really getting into it, I wasn't using it in a way to do predictions or anything like that. I wasn't that advanced. So I was mostly reading just like, you know, about moon signs or, you know, different Mercury signs or Venus signs as like a foundation. It wasn't until I got probably in the past seven, eight years, possibly, that I started to get deeper into different styles of astrology or different schools of thought. So for example, mundane astrology, which is world astrology. So it's using astrology to study the world at large, whether it's political movements or governments or countries, you can pull up a chart and start looking at that chart and seeing how the current sky right now is impacting upon a planet or a person or something like that, for example. And so that stuff, I think, is largely accurate when you have the correct information. I think it's just convincing people like there's a correlation, right? It depends on what your interests are. Not everyone has an interest in global affairs like I do. Like I like that kind of stuff. But I think accuracy really depends on the information that you have. So you need a location, you need a date of birth, and you need a time of birth. And time is usually the most important thing. Because like you said, you're not the same as everyone born in August on the same day. But based upon where you are and the time that you were born, that's going to adjust your chart in such a way that's unique to you. The other thing that people rarely talk about is that it's personal experience. It's your family, right? So even though, let's say, for example, you were born the same exact day as Britney, Spears, let's just say. She yeah. went on to be a pop star, but you might be doing something similar, but not quite because of your environment, because of your ideals, because of what your soul desires. And so I think that's important for people to remember there's always free will in astrology. Just because we see patterns and symbols in such a way that might say that something is going to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen a particular way. It depends on the people involved. So there might be transits that say, oh, you're going to get married this year, blah, 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 great, great. And then something might happen that says, I didn't decide to get married, but something similar happened. Maybe I committed to a business instead, or I committed to a new partnership, but it wasn't a wedding. But that still falls under that branch, that umbrella. But it's really your choice. It's your decision point. The energy's there, but how you use it and what you decide to do with it is up to you. It is so amazing hearing an expert talk about this. <laughs> it, it just, I feel like there's so much like general inaccurate information spread about this and it's hard to really understand astrology properly as a science mm -hmm. as a child did you think you were going to be able to incorporate astrology into your career or was it just kind of a hobby for you absolutely not i had no idea like i didn't even know that being an astrologer was a career right i just knew there were books available. Yeah. i knew there were things available i didn't know what these people were doing with themselves outside of giving me this information <laughs> but i didn't know that this was actually a career path i didn't know there were schools for it either until much much later and i think that's just because of lack of information and also probably a lot of skepticism you know people even today they don't believe in it and that's fine they want to disprove it and that's fine but i don't think many people have been successful because like you said it's a, a study or a science that will be debated. I don't think it's a science. I think I like thinking of it as an art, interpretive art. You know, if you know how to read symbols in such a way, you can interpret the art. That's all that it is. Like I said, I think free will is a very big component in it. So you can't really say this is absolutely going to happen because there's so many moving parts involved. I hope that we're moving into the age that people can see that this is a art that has been passed down from generation to generation all over the world. Right. If you go any place on Earth, you're probably going to find some form of astrology in that region. And so it's incredible that our ancestors were studying the sky and able to make predictions that were able to help them in their day to day life. So when was the point in your life when you're like, hey, I can make money off this? Like mm -hmm. you just first started thinking, like, can I explore a career in astrology? 
I didn't think of it that way until people asked, started asking me to do readings for them. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's the next step. <laughs> it wasn't something that I said I'm going to do because I want to. It was more like people started to request the service for me. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll start doing that. So I feel like my astrology career has definitely been like, oh, all right, you want to do this? Okay, sure. So it hasn't really been planned. It's really been like a being led by whatever astrology wants me to do next, essentially. <laughs> Yeah. How old were you? How did these people find out about you? Probably on Twitter. So when I joined Twitter back in 2010, roughly the end of 2010, I met a whole bunch of black astrologers on Twitter. And all we would do would pretty much talk about astrology all day. And it was very casual. It wasn't about us trying to show off or, you know, make content. It was just people chatting about their personal experiences and sharing their knowledge. And it just kind of grew from there. And I think that's kind of where I started to gain traction with people who were following me. And after doing that for a while, people started to request readings. I started to get more involved in posting things on social media regarding astrology. And it just kind of grew from that point. Amazing. So did this happen already, like after you went to school for studying traditional Chinese medicine or before? This probably, this happened after. I entered in 2008 and I graduated in 2012, but I was maintaining astrology throughout that time just for my own pleasure and enjoyment. Mm -hmm. And after that, I would even say that astrology led me to acupuncture because I felt like they had very similar principles, which is, you know, as above, so below, so within, so without. So we are a reflection of our environment, you know, whether it's the stars or nature around us, man is at his best self when he's in harmony with the heavens and earth. And so that's a tenant in traditional Chinese medicine, too. And I was like, of course, astrology is the same way. Excellent. We're on the right path. <laughs> this is medicine for me, right? So I credit <laughs> astrology for bringing me to acupuncture. And I feel like acupuncture really works well with astrology on its own. I'm still trying to figure out how to use medical astrology more directly when I'm working with clients. And I've used it a little bit to help people pick surgery dates or to help them figure out health issues. So it's a lot of fun. It's like puzzle pieces all the time for me. Like, figuring out, what's, how do I crack this puzzle? How do I help someone using these tools? How did astrology lead you to acupuncture and how did you decide to study it full time in school? I think I would say astrology brought me to acupuncture because I was already open-minded about alternative medicine, essentially, or alternative schools of thought. So because I had been involved with astrology for at least, gosh, at that point, 12, 15 years, it was a very easy transition for my mind to make between astrology and acupuncture or traditional Chinese medicine. Because like I said, the philosophies are very different. You know, you are existing in a bubble. And if you are able to maintain a balance with that bubble, you feel good, right? Like everyone feels good mm -hmm. when they're living their life purpose. Everyone feels great when they're in good health. Everyone feels good when they're in rhythm with the world around them. We tend to feel more sickness and chaos when we're out of step with ourselves. And so I feel like that's the same idea that follows through astrology and traditional Chinese medicine. How you heal things is by moving toward where the balance is necessary. Are there any techniques you use to assist with your astrology besides acupuncture? Just a lot of reading. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot of research. It's being curious. I have a ton of books, both physical books, books online, you know, constantly talking to people, talking to other astrologers, keeping up with their blogs or podcasts, because it's never a study that ever slows down, right? Like you're always tracking the sky. You're always looking at what's happening and seeing how it's manifesting here on earth. So we are living through some pretty crazy times right now. And it's interesting and fun and also scary to watch it through an astrological lens because you can see things coming ahead of time. And when you see what's coming and you know the energy is not going to be easy, it's really hard to tell people, oh, it's going to get better, guys, when you know oh, it's not going to get better anytime soon. And you have to mentally prep people for that. Living in this age where the esoteric and the occult is very popular, we have a lot of prosperity gospel and like, you know, law of attraction and things like that, which is fine. But it's also kind of taken on a life of its own where it's almost as if people want to ignore what's happening in the world if they just say their affirmations. You know, like that's going to protect them almost like if I just chant yeah. about this enough, it's going to bypass me. And I'm like, that's not how astrology <laughs> works. <laughs> that's not what anything works. That's not how any esoteric system works. But I think as, you know, things become mainstream, there's a lot of wisdom that gets dropped out in, you know, for the probably the necessary purpose of making money off of things. So you kind of scrub out the rough stuff to make it more palatable. And so I think astrology spent a lot of time telling people like, no, no, you can't bypass the hard stuff here. That's not how things work in any realm of any universe, especially not this one. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me a lot of 
kind of like, do you know Brene Brown's like power of vulnerability? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, she's great. She's also, I think she's a sad Scorpio. And I remember looking at her chart like, that's so great. <laughs> she's doing her chart. <laughs> yeah. Because I think I'm definitely one of those affirmation people. It just kind of keeps me from getting stressed. And during the pandemic with quarantine, my gut instinct is to just focus on working my podcast and my app right now mm-hmm. and just ignore everything else because it just makes me unhappy. Mm-hmm. But I think, as she says, you can't have really good times without really bad times. So you need to find a way to incorporate it. And if you have advice for me, I would love to hear it. Yeah. I always think about that season, you know, to every season, turn, turn, turn. There is a reason. Yeah. So there are seasons for everything. And that's the nice thing about astrology is that you can track those seasons and you can see them ahead of time. You can prep for them. And so my dream is that one day, astrologers will be working more directly with different departments in the world at large, whether it's government or medicine or, you know, whatever, planting crops, whatever it is, because it's the information that's valuable. You know, it's just like, well, if I could have told the U.S. government, like, yeah, you should really prepare for an economic downturn and you should really prepare for right wing nationalism to rise and all that ahead of time. And if they had acted (laughs) on it, (laughs) maybe we'd be in a very different position, but that would require people to open up their minds and trust and learn something new, right? Imagine telling government officials, you have to learn some astrology. Might, you know, they wouldn't do it, but if they did, they might find that there's a lot that they can use. Were you able to project the dark times happening this year? Did you sense it anywhere? I did write a piece for Dope Magazine last spring talking about quite a few of the things that are happening right now. And I did attribute it to a different planet, to Uranus. And the reason why I did that, I did kind of predict the financial downturn, issues with the Green New Deal, food shortages that we're probably going to see coming up pretty soon, the nationalism. And the reason why I was able to do that is because if you track Uranus in Taurus, which is the sign that it is in right now, it's only in a particular sign every 84 years or so. So if you look back 84 years ago, what was happening? Oh, the Great Depression was happening. Oh, World War II was about to kick off. Oh, Nazis are becoming big. Oh, there was a festival. <laughs> oh, like, <laughs> I was just like looking at that, like, okay, well, 80 years ago, that's what happened. So let me just warn people, it could happen again. And basically, yeah. it's pretty much all happened since. It's so crazy how history repeats itself and us as humans never really learn Mm -hmm. from the past. Well, that's what astrology is a great tool for. Like you can look at that tool and say, let's go backwards or let's go forwards, right? Because the planets are spinning in a cycle. They're, you know, moving in a particular way that we can always look forward or backwards no matter what. Unless, you know, a meteor knocks Mars out. I don't know. Something crazy would really have to disrupt the system for things to suddenly not make sense anymore. But with that in mind, you can use it. I always consider the the heavens like a cosmic record keeper. And if you know which record you're looking for, you can pull it out and say, let's see what happened that time. It gives us some information and signs as what we can expect now. And if you get ahead of that, you can prevent a lot of stuff or at least change the course of history, right? You majored in traditional Chinese medicine in college. So how did you start finding work out of college? So traditional Chinese medicine was my graduate studies. I did undergraduate upstate New York and Syracuse. So I finished my undergrad and I was like, I thought I was going to be a marriage and sex therapist. And then I got to my last year and I was like, I'm tired of listening to people. (laughs) I'm tired of talking to people. I want to do healing that's more hands-on. And so that's why I started looking around for different modalities. And eventually I landed upon acupuncture. But it was pretty easy because my undergrad courses were pretty much therapy or counseling-esque. So it was pretty easy transition to move into medicine or at least alternative medicine because I already had therapy. Mm -hmm. I added on medicine. I already had astrology. So it just felt like they were all natural fit. So after school finished, it wasn't easy because this was still post-economic downturn. I graduated in 2012. So around that time, there wasn't, for me at least, a lot of positions. So it was a lot of doing a lot of kind of part-time positions doing acupuncture, but I was very committed to keeping it. Like I was like, I just studied for four years, a lot of trauma, a lot of drama, a lot of debt. I'm keeping this degree and I'm using it (laughs) no matter what. So that's what I did. Whatever jobs I can get my hands on doing acupuncture, that's what I did. And then I also started to build astrology alongside of it. How did you get there? Like, how did you start your business so above? 
again, it's just like everything just kind of fell into place. I was just like, well, maybe I should get a website since I'm doing all these charts. It was just always like a response to whatever was happening. It was never like, yeah, I got a plan and I'm just going to do it. I wish I was that person. But it's literally (laughs) like me being like, all right, universe, I guess you're going to take me down this path. And I'm just going to say yes or no when necessary. And that has pretty much been my journey ever since then. (laughs) Yeah. When you started the website, Mm -hmm. were you like the five things you have listed or was it just a couple? Because it says I'm an astrologer, licensed acupuncturist, herbalist, clairvoyant, intuitive, and meditation instructor. Yeah. <laughs> what did you focus on in the beginning? <laughs> I just put them all up there. It's like, well, I could do it all, guys. Yeah, I just put everything up there because it is what I do. And I guess I don't really yeah. treat them like one is better than the other. It's just what my interests have led me to and if people want to use a particular service for me I'm here to offer it but it's never like oh this one's better than the other or anything like that it's just here's what I got you got a buffet (laughs) you have options (laughs) and if you want to use this we can use that if you want to mix that up we can do that like it's a very like saute kind of appeal (laughs) very freehand so that's just how I, I treat it can you elaborate on the other three actually like what's a herbalist You have an option in TCM school to either just do acupuncture or do acupuncture and Chinese herbs. So I did Chinese herbs as well. And basically you cram and you study and you memorize and you practice with herbs until you kind of feel like you got it. But I would always say with any of the stuff that I've studied, it's none of these topics are things that make you feel like you know anything at any point in time because the information is just so vast. So if I was to show you a few of my textbooks from school, I'd be like, there's no way that I know all this stuff right now, but I can reference it <laughs> you know uh-huh. what I mean? because it is so yeah. much information and it's ancient medicine. And this is like thousands of years worth of knowledge that you're trying to learn in four years and then hopefully practice safely enough to, you know, heal people. And I've been very thankful that I've been able to do that for so long. I think with most careers, I feel like you're faking it till I make it. Like when I first started managing people mm-hmm. and then with herbalism, it's like really ancient Chinese, like you're saying, cramming a thousand years of knowledge into four years. Mm-hmm. So when did you first start getting confidence in herbalism and oh, doing I that? Yeah. Herbs, like I said, they're very humbling, but I always like to remind people like a lot of herbs that are necessary that are very useful you already have in your kitchen cabinet most likely really yeah so for example that's one garlic (laughs) right yeah it's anti-parasitic it's antiviral it's you know antimicrobial it does all these amazing things it warms up the body it makes you sweat so sometimes you might just need a a clove of garlic as a healing modality right it doesn't always have to be such fanciful or exotic herbs or peppermint you know uh So peppermint helps the lungs, it soothes the liver, it clears heat, it does all these amazing things and you might just have it in your cupboard. I like the idea of people using food as medicine and a lot of herbal medicine is just that food that you already know, you already eat, but you don't necessarily think it's doing anything for you beyond making you feel full. What's a clairvoyant intuitive? When I was in grad school, I met someone who was teaching people how to hone their intuition. And I'd always felt I was very sensitive you know, pretty much all my life. I would just know things or sense things about people, dreams, all sorts of crazy stuff. So I thought maybe I should at least attempt to learn a technique that will help me to control that a little bit better. So basically it is a study or meditation practice that allows you to visualize more clearly or practice your visualization. And so that's what clairvoyance or clairaudience or clairsentience or clairgnosis is, is like you using your heightened senses to perceive information that may not be available to you using your regular five senses. So I always tell people when you close your eyes and you try to imagine someone that you know, how does it show up for you, right? Or for example, like clear knowing or clear gnosis or clear audience. So it's like when you hear things and no one else can hear it, but you might hear a song and it makes you think of someone and you decide to call that someone and you call them and they say, I was just thinking about you. You think, oh, mom's going to call me. Or, mom, I'm thinking about mom all of a sudden. Da, 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 da. Phone rings, mom. Hey, honey. Right. So people have that all the time. That is a natural skill that I think that we're all born with. Kids have it. Pets have it. Pets or kids are talking to things that you can't see or staring at things that you can't see. They're probably perceiving the world with their heightened senses, most likely. So that meditation helps you to strengthen those tools. And then people ask you questions and you can actually kind of dip into the energy that they're asking and clarify and see what that's all about. That's not explaining it well, but that's pretty much what happens for me. Okay. 
So you pair that with your work as a meditation instructor? Well, it's been a while since I taught that meditation, but yeah, that meditation is basically that. So I would teach people how to clear out their energy centers in their body and their chakras. I teach people how to see more clearly using their third eye, for example. I teach them to trust how to trust hearing information or sensing information or knowing things. And when you do this more and more, it's just helpful. So if you can think about all the times that you had a, a gut feeling about something like, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't do that. And you did it anyway. And that same thing that you knew was going to happen, happened. That's your intuition, right? So how do you gain yeah. enough comfort to trust that when you get that feeling? Like, you know what? I'm not going to do that instead and feel confident about it and not feel like you're crazy or making things up or exaggerating or whatever the excuses are when people deny their intuition all the time only to turn around and be like, oh, I totally regret not doing that thing that I knew was, I felt it and I dreamt about it and I, whatever, and I totally ignored it and now I regret it. What else do you do as a meditation instructor? That's so fascinating. That's basically the, the most that I like okay. to do with it because there's so many different styles and not everyone is looking to enhance their intuition, but I think meditation in general helps people to do that because you need to be still enough and calm enough to receive things, right? And usually we want to put things, extra meaning on information that we get. Right. So it can be tricky. And also, I think learning to trust your intuition helps you to protect yourself, too. So how many times have you met people who, who either gave you a wrong feeling? You didn't really vibe with them. Be like, no, no, you know, they're totally cool. And you're you're making things up or whatever it is. And then a couple of weeks later, months like, oh, you were right about that person. <laughs> right. I've actually been the odd one out with my friend group. Usually where I'm like, I don't like that person. I don't mm -hmm. want to hang out with them. They're exactly. like, oh, it's fine. They're great. Mm -hmm. Six months later, though, I would love your advice on meditation because I've tried calm and stuff and headspace and I cannot get my brain to sit still. Yeah. Yeah. So that style of meditation <laughs> would probably help you because it's very active. It's not acting. It's not asking you to shut down your mind or quiet it down. It's actually asking you engage it. Look at things, make things up, you know, create images, play in your imagination, because your imagination is probably one of your most powerful tools that you have. But from a very young age, what are we told? Oh, it's just your imagination. Don't believe in it. Right. Meanwhile, your imagination oh. is giving you so much information about your environment or even inspiring you how to influence your environment. And it's the easiest way that you can receive information that's, you know, out of our you know, five senses, essentially. Really? So why are all the apps and tutorials I see? trying to focus on me like to stop thinking and mm -hmm. calm down instead of actively using my imagination? Uh, I think it's probably a response to the way that we, res how we act in the West. You know, we're very young. We're very active. Everything's go, go, go. We are very reluctant to take time off. We're very reluctant to relax at all. We always feel like we have to be thinking. And so I think it's not so much that we have to turn off our minds. I think we have to get into the, the mode of thinking that having downtime is a good thing, one. And not just as yeah. like, oh, yeah. like, what is the new thing? What do they like to call it now? Self-care. Like everything <laughs> is self-care and, you know. But even that becomes a task for people, right? How quickly does meditation become just another thing to do on your list of self-care? What do I do in the morning? I wake mm. up and I meditate for 30 minutes and then I journal for 30 minutes and then I do yoga for 30 minutes and then I do my breakfast. And, and it's just, like, <laughs> it's like just one more thing that you've added to your to-do list to make you feel like you're taking care of yourself, which I'm not knocking. Yes, you are. But again, it becomes this regimented, scheduled, you know, go, go, go. I have to meditate today at this time. It's just like, why don't you meditate when you feel like it? <laughs> necessary as opposed to, you know, a part of your scheduled routine. It just feels like yet another thing that we use to kind of one-up each other almost. So this style of meditation is not about that. It's more like, no, I want you to play. I want you to visualize things. I want you to, you know, break things and make things and create things and see things and visualize people and use your mind that way because your mind is always going. It always wants to create something, but I think we have to be careful about what we're creating and what we're visualizing. And I think that's the biggest thing that people have issues with anxiety because we're always visualizing the worst possible outcome. Ooh, another Brene Brown <laughs> topic. <laughs> even, yeah. job, even with all my knowledge, I still do that because we've been conditioned to do that, right? Plan for the worst. These are the sayings that we constantly repeat to ourselves, even subconsciously. That's very true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Back to so above. <laughs> so when you started it, I know you had people on Twitter who already wanted you to do readings based off what you tweeted. Mm -hmm. How else did you get your beginning clients for the business? I would say that Twitter was my main thing just because I had grown a fairly strong following over the years. I've been on Twitter, what, 
10 years now almost. So, you know, this is just over time. You build bonds with people and your name gets around. And then I started to meet more astrologers. I met a lot of my astrologer friends on Twitter when we were living in Brooklyn and different parts of the city. And so meeting up with them and, you know, your name just gets around. I guess I started to do a podcast with a friend of mine. And then, you know, I started to write horoscopes for different publications, did some articles with different publications too. And so it's just been kind of like that. I've just been feeling my way through. Everyone's path is different. And at the same time, not wanting to burn out too badly, which is definitely something I did trying to do everything, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Marketing, it's so easy to try to go everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I, I was writing too many things for too many publications and just kind of singed both ends of my candle. Did the publications that come from Twitter, basically? I think so. Or word of mouth, you know, other astrologers like, hey, you know, they're looking for someone to write horoscopes here. I'm going to send your name through. So there's a fairly good internal networking system, I think, with astrologers, especially yeah. that are like, hey, you know, I don't want to do it. If you might like it, if you know someone else or people are fairly helpful in that regard. Right. Because I even read that Refinery29 article. They're like, by the way, quoting Janelle Belgrave, our <laughs> favorite astrologers. <laughs> yeah. Just through word of mouth. That's mm -hmm. cool. I think it's amazing because you were just developing this strong network gradually, which is more sustainably, just because you loved astrology, not because you had any business motives at the time. Did you have a strategy for Twitter or did that just naturally come from you posting and talking to people? Just posting and talking to people. And I think that's, yeah. for me personally, one of the best ways to build an audience is just be yourself. I know that's so cliche. Wow. But <laughs> but true. But true. true. Because, you know, if I don't feel like talking, I don't talk. If I don't have anything I want to say, I don't say. But if there is something I want to say, I try to be as honest and truthful and authentic as I can be. And I just find that I, I try to avoid being anything that I'm not because I can't sustain that. I can't. I'm not an actress. I'm not the strong enough person to do that to be you know a persona on top of whoever I am because it's just so much effort <laughs> I think <laughs> so I just try to keep it as real and you know try to honor that as much as possible I really liked your episode with Samuel F. Reynolds by the way I took a oh, listen yeah, Sam was great Sam yeah. is actually one of my really good friends and because of him so many things in my life started actually he was one of the first people that I met on Twitter and that's how we became friends talking about astrology yeah he's very opinion but like he made me think about so many things like the diversity of astrologists mm -hmm. I, I never thought about, yeah. like the lack of racial diversity. Yeah, uh, and that can be challenging yeah. for sure. Because you want people who can resonate or understand your experience, even beyond the stars. It's just like, I still have to speak to your experience as a person of color living on this earth, right? So if I'm telling you, oh, this pandemic is not going to hurt you or your economics are going to be fine, but you're living as a woman of color in the United States of America, that may not be the best thing I can say to you because that's probably not true. So how do you make way for that? I would love to see more black and brown astrologers because you need people to be able to see your experience and be able to recognize it and acknowledge it as real. So I'm kind of curious when you started your business, so above, what kind of clients were you getting in the beginning? Mm -hmm. Like what kind of things were you treating mainly for them? A lot of clients, mainly women, women are probably the most active in either acupuncture or even astrology. I think women are more likely to reach out for healing or advice or just guidance of any kind for help. Regardless, I would say my business has been 95% women. And they're usually looking, you know, some people come in for, you know, romance advice. They're looking to get married. I've had a couple of wedding date readings where people are like, can you compare wedding dates? People always pick what they want, regardless of what you tell them. They're going to pick the date they want. And it's fine. <laughs> um, it's totally fine. Because what we always say, like, you're going to pick the chart that's the most appropriate for you and your partner, even without our influence, because you guys know on a soul level, whatever it is that you need and the wedding date will appear. It's fine. <laughs> so it's fun when they're like, we're going to pick the exact opposite of you said, all right, fine. Good luck. Happy wedding. They just pay for your advice. They do. <laughs> and then it's like, all right, well, we just want a second opinion, but you're still going to go with what you want. That's totally fine. <laughs> Let's see. Romance, career stuff is a big thing. Trying to pick out, you know, different paths. Should I go to school for this? Should I stick with this job? What's it looking like in terms of money? You know, and sometimes you have to tell people, hey, it's a little bit tough right now, but here are some things we can do to mitigate that or things that you can do to help yourself. Sometimes the timing is just not right. Oh, am I going to meet someone? Nope, not right now. But in the next couple of years, that might become a thing. This time, this is more the focus instead. I like it because it allows you to be very honest. And a lot of times people are just like, you're just confirming what I knew. I'm like, yeah, I know. Astrology is nice for that. It makes you feel acknowledged in your experience because if you can read the symbols and say, that's exactly what I'm going through. I am not going crazy. It makes people so much more calm. 
because the assumption is, I think a lot of yeah. people is that you must be doing something wrong if your life is not working out versus I'll see a chart and be like, no, it's just the timing and the things right now. You're having a down season. You're going to be fine. It's not your fault. I think that's the thing that we're dealing with a lot in our tech fantasy world is that we always think that life is supposed to be on an upswing. And if it's not on an upswing, that must be your fault. Yeah, like your life shouldn't be like the stock market. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, well, why don't you have it together? How did you not see this coming? Or why didn't you plan this? Like maybe it's just a difficult time in your life. We all have that. But I think we're coming into this place where people don't expect that or don't want it or think they don't deserve it. I'm just like, it's not about deserving. It is what it is. So we can't have this sanitized way of like living our life like a movie, like and there's only the good points and we always overcome the bad points and it's easy. And it's just like, when did life become that way? When did that become the expectation? While you were developing your business, were there any struggles on the way and how did you even supplement the income in the beginning? I would say it's always a struggle. Just because me personally, I'm not the kind of person who's looking to make a ton of money doing this. Like it's really service oriented for me. I just want to have my needs met and a little bit extra. Like I'm not trying to become the next, you know, Oprah of astrology. Like that's not my goal because that comes with <laughs> a lot of extra stuff that I just not interested in, especially all the attention and people demanding. It's just like, I just want to be of service and, you know, keep it moving. So when things aren't you know, going as well as I think they should be. I'm like, all right, maybe it's a down season. Maybe I need to take some time away because I've been studying astrology for so many years now. It's one thing that I don't want to be forced to break up with out of just like exhaustion. You know what I mean? You just get so tired yeah. of something because it's kind of the joy has been beaten out of it in a way. And I think that kind of happened when I burnt myself out. Where I was just like, do I even love this anymore? Like, do I even want to do this anymore? When you're trying to reap all the money out of something, sometimes it kind of kills the soul out of it sometimes. I'm okay with going with the punches. I'm okay with building and learning as I go. I'm okay with not being the top astrologer in the world. Like I'm okay with just being helpful to people as they need me and not necessarily trying to like have the best business and be the most popular because I feel like people rarely talk about all the downsides to that. You know, you get all this attention and cash, great, but then, you know, you're kind of out there to the whim of the internet and people are crazy. <laughs> You know, people yeah. be very demanding and very, oh, you're not right. And it's bullying. It's a big thing on the Internet, too. So I think a lot of people who are getting into the business have to be very aware about their energy and how to you know, protect themselves. Because just because you're serving and helping people, there's almost as if the expectation is that you're always in that position 24-7. You never turn off. And so for me, it's like going online, I'm just like, I'm not talking about astrology right now. I'm just talking about the weather. <laughs> like, I just want to say good morning and have a good day. Like, I don't want to be the Oracle 24-7 because that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Actually, what a blessing for you that you're in astrology because I think most people in business, there's always ups and downs. And when you have those downs, it's so natural to panic because mm -hmm. you have to like pay so many employees underneath you. But you are kind of like, no, this is just the natural cycle of my business. And okay. you kind of look for the signs that'll come back up. Yeah, of. I'll do that if I think it's necessary. And I'll even look at my chart to see if it's something that's happening with me. And sometimes it's, that's the case too, where I'm just like, what's well, my chart right now? I'm going through a tough phase and I need to take a step back and reassess what's going on as opposed to forcing, forcing, forcing and burning myself out even more. So I think it, it keeps you really humble sometimes. You're just like, yeah, sometimes you cannot outrun your own timing. You just have wow. to wait. I so panic when I have to live off my savings. I'm like, do I need to get other sources of income? And I'll start looking for other jobs on the side mm -hmm. to support my main thing. Oh, and I think this whole so nice. crisis that we're going through yeah. right now is going to help people to see how flawed that system is. Right. And how it really does do a lot of damage to us, because like you said, like your first thought is like, oh, I have to have to do all these things to protect myself. And yeah, because we live in a world that has made that system so unforgiving. You know, you're probably thinking right now, what if my savings runs out? What then? It's just like, well, that doesn't mean anything personally about you. This is the system that you're living in. And right now that system is up for review and it might get knocked down. And then what will we do then? What will we do if we didn't have to pay bills? Who will we be as people if we didn't have those things? And I think right now we're getting a taste of it because we're just like, what is time? What is a weekend? What is a week? What day is it? I really want to know how we're going to come out of this. I expect yeah. there's going to be some really tumultuous times ahead, but they are necessary because like everything else in the world, everything has its natural end and a new beginning. Empires have fallen before, so we're not special. <laughs> You know, as scary as a thought that that is, and I know it does make people very nervous, I think it's something that we have to sit with. This is like things do come to an end. When we try to deny and put that ending back as much as we can, it's even a, a harder fall because we've been unprepared. 
Speaking of, how has quarantine affected your business, if at all? Well, I do miss doing acupuncture. I have mm-hmm. been out of my community clinic that I work at in Flatiron, Manhattan for a while now since we've been in quarantine. So that's been kind of like tough to deal with. I miss needling people. I miss having clients. I've actually started watching trigger therapy videos on YouTube. So trigger videos oh. are basic massage therapists kind of use a twee knot technique, just like a Chinese deep tissue massage to get at those knots mm-hmm. in the body. And I usually get them with needles. So I'll go in with a needle and find those knots and make the muscle jump. But this guy's using his thumb. So I was just like, oh, that's amazing. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I was just having a rush of like, I miss that so much. I miss the human <laughs> <laughs> But um, we are. <laughs> I know it's just, it was weird. I was like, I am such a weird person. Anyway, so actually, my business has actually started to pick up a little bit again through quarantine. I haven't really been advertising and promoting it, but people have been seeking me out, looking for services for astrology, which is fine. That happens a lot during a crisis. People just want some clarity about yeah. what's coming for them, what to expect, how to plan ahead, and so I'm, I'm always happy to do that. I've had a couple of clients, you know, searching for what am I supposed to do, and I'm like, all right, let's let's figure it out. Let's look at your chart and let's talk about it. And they usually walk by being like, thank you so much. I'm like, great. Have a great day. Tell me how it goes in six months. Can't wait to hear. What is your day to day like? I'm so curious. It depends. If I have clients, it depends on what they're asking, what kind of reading we're doing, whether how long it's going to be. But basically, it's me, a notebook, a stack of books, looking at their chart, like writing out things I think are important and just trying to get a, a general idea of what's going on in their chart. And then I chat with them for about an hour or so and, you know, give them tips and tricks and what to do and what to expect and give them validation. And then later on, I'll send them a copy of the recording that I make for the astrology reading and go keep going. So it depends on the day. Some days are really yeah. chill. If I have any writing projects that I'm working on, I'll, I'll work on that. For writing projects, were you referring to like articles you're featured in or anything else? Right so now? articles, horoscopes, you know, doing writing for certain people. It depends. You write horoscopes? I used to write a lot of horoscopes. I've written horoscopes for Refinery29. I've written horoscopes for Dope Magazine. So there's been like three or four, maybe even five publications that I've done horoscopes for in the past. It could be fun, but it's also a lot of work. And then you start to hate the number 12 a lot because you're writing 12 and everything. It starts to grate at you, but it's definitely something that teaches you a lot too. I would say. At one point I was writing monthlies and weeklies. I didn't do dailies, thank God, because I didn't think I could to do that. I, it was just too much for me. You're looking at a lot of information because I'm looking at charts, I'm looking at planets, I'm looking at different dates, and I'm just like trying to synthesize oh it my gosh. of the 12 signs. So it was a lot of note taking, yeah. a lot of drafting. Yeah. Do you think you're a representative of the typical astrologist? I don't know. Astrologers are a very weird group. We're very unique. Everyone is different. Everyone has a very different style. Because I always tell people with astrology, you are interpreting the world through your own chart, more or less. Right. So I am a, a Sagittarius sun. I'm probably going to view things very differently, let's say, than an astrologer who's maybe a Gemini sun. Right. Because mm. our worldview is influenced by our personal experience and our personal chart. So depending on, you know, what kind of person you are, you're going to gravitate towards certain astrologers. And most times I find a lot with my clients, like when I pull up their chart, I see that the synastry or the way that our two charts interact, I can automatically see the similarities between our charts. Usually they'll have a planet on my planet or they'll have the same mm-hmm. rising. And it's like naturally people gravitate to what feels good to them. So depending yeah. on who you like, you're going to get what you want from them because they resonate with you. Well, what's next for you, by the way? I have a book to write. Basically, it's just general astrology, I think. But I'm trying to figure out a way of writing it in a way that's not so dry. I just want it to be very personable. It is a daunting study, but it doesn't have to be. And I think I want it to be more welcoming for people. I want to use more storytelling to kind of illustrate how astrology can work in our day-to-day lives and how we see it everywhere. Like, I guess I'm just a really big nerd when it comes to astrology. But, you know, if I know what's happening in the sky and I see something, I'm like, oh, look, because you just see it everywhere. You see how the symbols show up. It's almost like living in the matrix and reading all the code just watching the code upload and like yeah and they're like how do you see that you just you just start to recognize it so i would love for people to be able to use astrology and you know traditional chinese medicine in a very day-to-day practical way it doesn't have to be this magical like oh because it's not like when i tell people what i do i'm like it's nothing magical about this like (laughs) it's literally me my books and you know writing utensil and me deciphering stuff and like writing a lot and like trying to synthesize this information to make it more palatable but anyone can do that if they're interested. It's just a matter of being curious. Yeah, like anything you study, really. Yeah. 
I try not to get mad about naysayers. I'm just like, but you haven't even opened up a book. Like, how do you know? <laughs> if I was to go to a courtroom and say, like, Your Honor, you don't know what you're talking about. If I've never even opened up a law book, I'd look crazy, right? <laughs> it's just an opinion with skepticism. And I don't know if that's going to be very useful for us going forward in the future. Well, people start converting on evolution. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I'm hopeful for the future, but I'm also very concerned for us around the world because it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy the next couple of years. And I, I do want people to really sit with that and consider, well, what kind of free will would be necessary on a global scale to mitigate the worst of what could potentially happen? What do you mean by what kind of free will will be necessary? So like what kind of free will action on humanity's part, right? So one of my frustrations that I hear a lot with people is like, oh, that's just human nature. That's just what humans do. And I'm like, no, that's what humans choose to do. And that's what we've given each other a pass to do, right? But if it gets to the point where like, you know what, we really have to stop genocide or, you know, mass destruction. And people say we're going to hold out and act in a way that makes that clear that like that's the new way forward, what would that look like? Would it look like a lot of protests? Would it look like people boycotting things? Would it look like, you know, there's so many different ways that that can present itself, but it's going to be a free will, active decision to do those things. It's not going to be this, oh, things just worked out. That's not going to be the case. It's going to be no, a very yeah. active, you know, intentional decision and action that's going to change things. It's not going to be the government just start to get it together. The governments at this point around the world, based upon the astrology, none of them are your friends right now. It's very few. So you have to keep these things in mind. It's going to come yeah. with human effort. There's no freebies this time around. What's the most difficult decision you had to make to fulfill your destiny? Probably just following my path even though it's been rocky, even though it hasn't been easy, even though your parents say, don't you just want to get a regular nine to five? Or don't you just want to, you know, and I'm like, no, it would be easier. But for me, I've always felt like if I did that, I would not commit. You know what I mean? And I know a lot of people who do that. It's totally fine if you have to get another job to make things work and what have you. For me, it's always been like, I have to stick with it, even if it sucks, even if it's uncomfortable, even if I, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it out. I just need to know that I gave it my all. But that's just been me. And so it hasn't always been easy. There have definitely been times where I'm like, well, we'll, we'll see what happens with rent this month. We're going to figure it out somehow, some way. And, it, you know, usually it does work out. And if it doesn't, you know, you rally and you figure it out. But I'm hoping in the future that will become less and less the case for people, regardless of what they do, because that's no way to live. Right? We shouldn't be living in fear when there is so much abundance on this earth that could be shared and just make people's lives so much easier. And that's my hope going forward is like we'll get out of this very selfish way of viewing the world and ourselves that we are living alone. We're isolated and nothing impacts us unless it's about us. And it's just like we're all in this together. Right. So we're all in this closed circle together. And whatever happens to me will eventually most likely happen to you, too. Looking out for me is also looking out for you. So beautiful. <laughs> Actually, though, no for president. Right. <laughs> Any mistakes during your career you regret? Oh, definitely trusting certain people. You definitely come across people who want to take advantage, who don't want to pay you. So I definitely feel like that's just part of it, like learning that not everyone is for you. Not everyone wants to see you succeed and not everyone has your best interests at heart. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a personal failing on your part. It just is part of the hard knocks, unfortunately. And we've yeah. kind of made it like a rite of passage. Like, well, that's the bricks. That's what business is. You know, it's not personal. It's business. I'm like, well, it very much is personal. <laughs> like, maybe that's a tenant we need to change in the future. Like, it is personal. Yeah. Like, it's a business yeah. should be personal. You should have people's, you know, well-being in mind and the well-being of the earth in mind. Because, yeah, this is very personal. For others who want to live off astrology or get more into it, do you have any advice for them? Be curious, read a lot, pick up books or, you know, go to the library if you can or, or rent online. Go study the things that are interesting to you, right? You don't have to learn it all. You can start very basic and just keep up with it. You know, I remember times in college, I got my roommate and one of my closest friends into astrology just by reading. We would be on our computers facing our backs to each other and just reading things off of the screen to each other. And like, does that make sense to you? How do you think about that? How do you, is that how you feel in your yeah. job? Like, yeah. And so you just learn that way. Make it as relevant to your experience as possible because I think that makes you interesting. I'm very interested in humans and how they think and feel and what motivates them. I'm very interested in world affairs and politics. And so these are the things that I tend to gravitate toward. But everyone's different. So go for what you like. If you like relationship astrology and love, 
go for that. Start studying Venus and Mars. Start studying synastry and compatibility. Start studying what people need to feel loved in their relationships and go with that. And if that turns into a different realm of study that you want to go to, you follow that path too. And I just think for me, it's been the universe and your spirit, whoever else is in charge of your life has just been kind of guiding you throughout this time, kind of leading you to keep living your life, keep living your chart. And then you just meet people and things as necessary and you grow from there. It's like anything else, I think. Do you have any book or website recommendations to get started with? Astro.com or Astrodynes, but Astro.com is one of the first websites I think I ever used to pull up an astrology chart. It's been online for probably 20, 20 years plus at this point. That's a great resource. There are a lot of different sites. I can't vouch for all of them because they all have their different flaws, but I think astro.com is probably the, the best place to start. Cafe Astrology is another big one. Dark Pixie Astrology. So there are lots of different websites you can go to that have a lot of information to start from. I always recommend lots of books, surfing the internet, you know, just go deep diving and see what pops up. Yeah. Cool. So we reached the end of our interview. I like to give my guests 60 seconds to pitch anything they want. Anything you want to pitch? Listen to my podcast, Stars on Fire, with me and my friend, Mecca Woods. We like to talk about politics and world events and all sorts of fun stuff using astrology. And, you know, visit me at soabove.com if you want to get a reading or just chat. You can send me an email through there. And, yeah, I would love to meet more people. Thank you so much for having me. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed our interview with the amazing Janelle Belgrave. I don't know about you, but my thoughts would sometimes go off on tangents during the interview because some things she said would get me thinking so hard about my life choices, how to balance everything in life properly, and the future of our current world. If you're curious about anything mentioned in the episode, we have links to everything in our show notes at thenewschoolpodcast.com slash episodes. Stick around till the end to hear a sneak peek of next week's episode. To stay up to date on content, make sure to follow us on Instagram at thenewschoolpodcast and on Twitter at the New School Pod. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, you can find your review on a future The New School episode. Do you feel like you or someone else would be an amazing guest on our show? If yes, please contact us on our website, thenewschoolpodcast.com slash contact. Want your ultimate guide on how to turn your passions into a meaningful career? Subscribe to our weekly newsletter at thenewschoolpodcast.com. The New School with Christine Hong is produced by Jenny Snyder and Shristi Biani. Editing by Sydney Salk, John Simpson, and Joseph Cho. Video editing by Josh Stanley. Special thanks to our marketing team who help us spread our mission and put the New School name out there. Katie Osaki, Emma Borgerding, Giovanni Cortez, Cynthia Shao, Dina Che, and Marissa Wolfsheimer. Next week on the show, we've got Dr. David Schiffman, who is a marine biologist. This guy is so 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 passionate about ocean conservation and sharks and people are listening as evidenced by his 50,000 followers on his twitter handle why sharks matter my favorite thing about being a scientist is sometimes a few times a year i get to be the first human ever anywhere in the world to know something because i'm the one who found it and then the next part of my job is to tell everyone else what i found and why i think it's so cool that never gets old Come back next Monday to find out how David became a marine biologist, what his day to day is like, and his thoughts on Shark Week. All right, guys, have a great day. Try something new today.